Hola, Dennis. Gedal, I hope all is well. We have had a good week of tennis, another great week of tennis, I must say. Uh, the finals just finished, so this is the most timely podcast I think we ever had, at least in terms of ATP calendar. Uh, we had uh, pretty good predictions as well, I, I must say. I mean, you picked Medvedev to win in Vienna, and I picked Aliasim to win in Basel. Uh, so I think we did pretty well uh, for two tennis nerds. So uh, how's your week been? Uh, hi, everyone. Hi, Giannis. Uh, yes, again, uh, I, I would definitely propose uh, for this um, Vienna-Basel tournaments to be uh, some some sort of uh, like joint masters. It would be a pretty cool idea to have that one. But uh, but yeah, it was it was uh, I I watched a bit of tennis. Um, it was a it was a really really nice week, and uh, I'm I'm pretty happy that uh, Felix is he looks absolutely unbeatable at the moment. And apart from my Chilich um, bat, it was it was actually pretty good because I I predicted Medvedev Shapovalov. If if I would have put some money on it, I would be a rich man now. And on the other. Um, uh, I thought it was either going to be Alcaraz or Felix. I didn't count with Rune, but uh, he he is just uh, defying gods at the moment, and and he's just playing absolutely unreal. I watched him bits and bobs, but he has such a natural power, and his service is is quite an interesting one. It's sort of like a Monfils esque. Before they changed Monfils's serve, it was a really effective serve, and and Rune's service is, is kind of similar. Uh, and it is really effective. I mean, he's he's hitting bombs over 210Ks and everything. So it has been unbelievable. Um, and I'll uh, before we actually go into some details, because uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we will talk a li- little bit more about uh, Vienna and Basel, because I think both tournaments were really, really good. I wanted to ask on, because um, I've heard that you had really, really good hits this week. And um, I just wanted to ask on your week and, and how it's been as well. Yeah, I've been playing quite a bit, like always in Marbella. Um, I'm shooting some coaching content, as I've said before. And now I'm playing an ITF Masters next week, uh, together with my my father, who's playing in the 65. So he's super nervous, uh, which is funny to see. Uh, some some pain for him. As I'm trying to prepare him for the event, like it's a serious, serious, serious tournament, which which is a little bit humorous to me. Uh, and I'm playing the men's 40. And I play in, played 16-year-olds, I played 30-year-olds, I played all around. Uh, and it's been going well. Uh, obviously, it's, it's my quest now to find a racket to choose for the, for the tournament. Uh, I'm getting closer. I think I'm down to two now, so I have to pick one of them. Uh, but it's, it's very noticeable that you play much better when you just play with one racket. Like if you just go to the court with, with just one racket and you can't even choose... It's much better. Just focus. Don't focus on the racket. Like it, it's a, it's a pain in the ass when you have like four or five different rackets. I am a tennis nerd, and we talked about it many times. That obviously I, I do I do try my rackets, and you know I had play tests and everything. So that's that's a different thing. But but yeah, I I cannot emphasize it enough. Just to to pick a racket and 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 play with it because what you're doing. Look, you are making content yeah. on on your site, and that's why you need. And you actually like testing, but once you try and get to get to the court and and play with with a certain frame, uh, match them up and and stick to them because I mean, look at the pros. The pros are are actually pretty good in that perspective that they are they are not changing their rackets with obviously with the new paint jobs and everything. They are sticking to what they know, what they got used to because. A tennis racket is an extension of your arm. So it has to be something which you fully trust. 
and if just a little bit of tiny just just some sort of uh um if, if something is not right if something is not how it should be then then it's 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 it gets into your head and 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 it just not it's just not right i can just say because you know look i i played i don't know 500 competitive tennis matches so for me when i didn't trust my tennis racket i just didn't know what to do how to do it where 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 it goes wrong so yes even with you Giannis, please stick to a racket trust the racket and and play with that racket yeah, I think it's good advice. And I think what you noticed uh, and what you notice and what you pointed out there is that it's such a mental component as well. Like people think it's like, okay, I get a bit more power, I get a bit more control, da 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 da. But really, it, it's supposed to be connected to your mental state. So if the racket, if you just trust the equipment, that everything that happens in the match is down to you and not the equipment, you will feel a sense of calm and you will probably play better. I mean, then you have good days and bad days like everything else but i think that's the problem for a lot of people who test a lot of rackets is that they get into this mindset that it's like yeah i felt didn't feel good today because of the racket i didn't feel good at it. and it's not always an excuse it's more of a mental connection to what you're doing right so you don't feel like you you trust yourself 100 you start doubting things outside your control the rackets and so on so uh I think it's it's much better to just pick one uh, and, and pick something decent of course but but it's it's more important to pick one and just say, hey, you know, I'm tied to this now. I can't change. It's almost like you should do like a game for yourself. Like, hey, okay, I cannot even test new rackets now for, for a year. Because, I mean, obviously in my case, like what you said, uh, this is my kind of job and my, my way to create content. And I do enjoy it. So it's a bit different. But still, if you want to play good tennis, I think it makes no sense to, to play around. Like it, it gets into your head and you start having worse results and muscle memory goes out the window and stuff like that. I think uh, an interesting uh, concept as well, and, and what I would suggest in a way to you, but all the, all the um, tennisers who really like to test a lot of rackets, your number one racket should be in your bag. And, and you know, that should be your tournament racket, no matter what happens. And in the meantime, obviously, when you try a different racket, and even if it feels good, you know, you should give it at least a month be before you even consider switching. The last 10 years, I had um, a pure drive stint. I had quite a long pure drive and pure drive rotic, which, which I was playing with. And when I was working in London in Wigmore Sports, I knew how good the Yonex rackets were. So I just decided that I will play with an XI 98. And, um, and that was a great frame. I mean, uh, Kyrgios is still using that mold. So, uh, so that was good, although I, after half a year, when I felt like my tennis absolutely fell apart, because when, when, you, when I played with the pure drive, it was just a good racket. I, I did what I could. It wasn't down to the fact what racket I was using. It was down to the fact how my feet were moving. It was down to the fact how I'm, I, I was sort of playing around with quite a bit of, uh, of um, balance, of, of like leather grips, of, of a little bit, little, little bit of lap tape and all that. But I was sticking to my racket. I wasn't changing my pure drive because I just loved them. And funnily enough, it, it was, um, I'm sort of connected to, to players as well. So obviously, you know, I, I kind of like Kyrgios, although in, in this podcast, I, I told him off uh, because of his theatrics. But I remember that I picked up the uh, Pure Drive the first instance because of Roddick, because Roddick was my idol. I still love him. And, and you know, he's, he's the, the, the funniest guy on, on a tennis court ever. And yeah, that, that was the two mistakes I made in my last 15 years of, of uh, playing with rackets. Um, 
when I was playing the pure drive, I picked up the XI-98. That was an absolute train crash from like the beginning till the end because it was a great feeling racket, but it was a totally different frame than my pure drive. So I had to get used to it. So that wasn't right. And then I did this this year as well because I picked up the um, Phantom 305 100X, which is also a brilliant frame. And I loved it to death because it's it's a brilliant, brilliant frame, really soft um, racket. But I lost my forehand with it and I didn't know what was wrong. And then I picked my beast back up and, you know, miraculously just disappeared. So, yes, long story short, and we will talk about it in the offseason a lot, a lot more in depth. But basically, stick to what you know, and and that will be the um, the basis of your rackets. And we are not talking about you now, Giannis, because it's, it's just in general as well, because I know uh, quite a, a lot of people who do like to play around with their rackets. And then on a sunny day, they get a bit more spin out of the frame. But when it's when it's a bit damp, then then they, they don't really play well with it. Then they go back. And as you said, it, if you if you make your mind up on a frame, just stick to that frame and that frame will do miracles because it's not a, it's not about the frame. It's not about the, the strings. It's about you and how you trust that racket. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of strings, I, yeah, fresh strings, I, I would recommend always. Like, if you play with oh, yes. all strings, that, that's going to be bad. We talked about that in a previous episode. You can check the, the back catalog. Uh, but yeah, I agree. And uh, if you look at the pros, like, for example, Chapo, he, he did struggle for a while because uh, he was switching rackets. He was playing with the ESO 98 for during the summer. Was okay, but he, you could see that he struggled feeling the control, like the depth of his shots. He wasn't sure. Now the the rumor is that he's playing with the new V core, which is coming out in December or January. I'm not exactly sure. This is the new V core line from Yonex. Uh, it, some say that it's still the old one, but I don't know why it would be blacked out then. So I, I don't understand that. But but definitely he's back to the V core 95 of some kind, uh, with maybe a small tweak. His specs, everything. And he's playing much better. He doesn't think about the racket. He's just there. He's just playing. It works for him. Uh, it's not that the racket is magical. It's that he's found his game and he can just play now and trust it. And you see what it's done to him. He's just playing amazingly well. Uh, same with the, another Canadian player, like you mentioned, Auger Aliasim, who's just won three tournaments in a row, which outside the GOATs, the three GOATs we have, that doesn't happen often, right? It's just unbelievable. When he got indoors like that lower bounce his serve has been just fantastic like every time he's in trouble even in the match today in the final against Rune, he served himself out of trouble like huge serves like so very impressive and fun to see him playing so well and i think even for paris getting into that he is probably a little bit tired but he could be a threat even to paris now we have a cat absolutely yeah now i do uh unfortunately uh, the listeners cannot see my uh lovely male cat honda but um hopefully it's a good name <laughs> we, will, <laughs> we will put out um a, a picture of him soon <laughs> so uh yeah um about these two tournaments um it was so good to see dennis and how he he was using that racket and 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 the natural power i think he has the best technique on tour or i don't know i i i just love to watch him uh, he's not a really, I mean, he's not an overwhelmingly tall guy, but he has one of the biggest serves um, because of his technique. And um, and also it's, it's, it's just great to see that now he found his game because when I was, when I've seen him in the summer, he was absolutely awful. 
And um, now he trusts his frame and he actually can do what he wants to do with the ball. He's still really erratic. And, and you know that when you watch him, it can be either an off day or an on day. When he's on, he can beat everyone in the world easily. When he's off, he can lose to the, the 150th in the world easily. It's, but now at the moment, I don't, I don't think he can lose even on his off days because he is, he, for example, Today against Medvedev, he played pretty cleverly. Yeah, Medvedev was better. And, and you knew that like sooner or later, Medvedev will start making those shots what he was missing. And, you know, he was he was uh, going down the line really well, Medvedev and, and uh, Shapovalov. Uh, when in the second set, he had a few points where he could have actually uh, come back. And um, uh, because he was uh, down a break uh, fairly early, it was 4-1. You know, you could you could see that Shapovalov was wasn't trying to go for broke. He was fairly cleverly going into the rallies and and trying to get you know the the great tech, tactics uh, with Medvedev because Medvedev is really really hard to shut down. You could see it against Domi. Domi had to play amazingly well and still lost six three six two or six three six six three was in the end, and um, and which is good because Domi is now almost there, almost uh, playing top. 50. He's already playing top 50 tennis, but he obviously wants to play top 10, top 5, maybe even world number 1 tennis. So that's why Domi just killed a cold quits of, of his season, so he's not going to play in the Paris Masters, uh, Dominic team I'm talking about. But back to the one-handed backhands, it's always pretty tricky to, to play Medvedev, who's, who's that solid uh, from the back of the court. Shapo was playing really well, and, and it's great to see. And you know what? even to take a set from Medvedev was stunning. And about Basel, um, Felix hasn't lost one service game. So he lost, uh, he won all his service games. He hasn't lost one, which is absolutely an amazing feat. And as you, as you mentioned it with the goats, this is Djokovic-esque. Like that's the only time I can remember apart from Nadal on clay. And obviously we were talking about 10 years ago, Federer, when he was like literally winning all the tournaments. This is really uh, Djokovic-esque. And if that doesn't give Felix fuel to be in the top five next year, I don't know what will. Because if he can play that well, yeah, we are talking about indoor courts. But if he works a little bit more on his footwork, which is already impeccable, but that might be the key for him to actually break through into the top five outside, not playing indoors. So I think that's, that's the only thing. Look, he doesn't have a weakness. He can do everything. He has a massive serve. You know, there's, there's a bit going on in his serve, but, but it's, it's great. But if he actually uh, works a bit more on his footwork, which I said is already amazing, then he will get to all these balls, which he might have been missing because of his, his extreme grip and swinging. Felix can be a big threat next year to anyone. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's definitely showed it uh, this past few weeks and, and this year has been his breakthrough year. And he's not yet qualified. I wanted to get to the race to Turin, which is the ATP finals. We have six players qualified, Alcaraz, Nadal, Tsitsipas, Rude, Medvedev and Djokovic. But then we have Ojer Aliasim, which is close to qualification, but it depends a bit on, on Paris results. He is chased by Andrew Rublev, on, on, who's on spot seven. And we have Taylor Fritz on spot eight. And then we have um, Hubert Hurkacz. So 
that is where I think the the players who, who can qualify really. I don't think I mean Karenio Busta can technically qualify, but I, I think it's unlikely that he wins in, in Paris, whatever he needs to do there. Chapo is is on 16th on the race, which is not bad, but he's he's likely not gonna make it. Uh, so interesting to see then how the Paris results will influence that. That's where it, it kind of decides. And I, I would be very surprised if Ojeda Alessim does not make the cut. That should be very some very strange results, I guess, would happen if, if to to make sure that that happens. Uh, so that's going to yeah, be interesting. Yeah, he's, he's almost there. He's almost there, actually. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So he he needs to um needs to win maybe one or two matches. I don't know exactly how what the what the not a statistician, but uh, it should be pretty straightforward. Uh, Rune also had a great year, but he's a bit far away. Uh, I did actually predict him to be, I think, a finalist. Uh, that's so I'm, I'm pretty happy about the the Basel predictions in that sense. I, I I've seen him also go from strength to strength. He seems much more calm on the court, and uh, his technique is great. Like I mean, huge forehand. I mean, if you don't have a huge forehand in today's game, I think it's it's tough to to compete uh, with the top guys because they all have have big big forehands. Uh, Medvedev has an interesting technique, you might say, but it's still like he can pull the trigger when he needs to, and uh, he just plays his his style of tennis. So, what do you have for for Paris? Well, who do you think can take this form into the next week's Masters and the last Masters of the year? I mean, Alcaraz, pretty good tournament, I would say. I mean, I don't expect him to win every tournament he enters, and Felix was on fire and beat him, I would say, pretty comfortably, which was surprising that he would be win that easily, but. Still, Alcaraz should be pretty strong, uh, although not my favorite. Uh, who do you pick to to win the Paris Masters? Well, it's it's hard to to say anyone else than Nadal or Djokovic. We're still at that age, but what I can say, and and I was just looking at uh, the draw as well as 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 all, all the results. I would be shocked if uh, that's just a bit of a bit of a reply on on what you said about um, the Turin. So I'm um, I'm pretty sure that Felix should be there now. Uh, yeah, he he hasn't he hasn't got the the green light, but you know, to for Rublev, Fritz, and Horkach to or sorry, um, yeah. So it's Djokovic. So there's two places left. Yeah, I don't. I just somehow cannot see Felix not getting there. So Felix is a good bat. Um, and what I also wanted to say is that I got the uh, perfect results for Vienna and you have for Basel. So um, we, we don't really bat. I don't know if you do. I never bat uh, on, on tennis results because I, I think I'm just too uh, engaged uh, with, uh, with the liking of players. But uh, well done us. If, if we would have put a lot of money on these, uh, we would be pretty rich. So you might not be mm-hmm. doing uh, tennis nerd anymore. So... Yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> So um, yeah, what? Yeah, let's let's talk about the draws because I think it's it's pretty interesting, and and then we can just sort of uh, come up with uh, who will do what. Uh, for example, quite an interesting um, uh, qualifying result is that Fognini lost to a wild card, uh, three hundred and fifteen in the world. Our tour feels. Yeah, feels, I saw that. If if. That's just a crazy result. And also, Huesler is in. Uh, he beat Jure uh, um, and uh, Quentin Halles. Uh, he beat Montero. Oscar Otta is in. Interesting ones. It's not going to be the easiest first round match for Alcaraz because he's going to uh, face the, the uh, winner of um, Karatsev against Nishioka. I, yeah, I think, I think to be fair, um, 
we we talked about the Draper match, and that was an unbelievably high quality match. And uh, I think if if Draper would have um, he had a bit of an illness. He he uh, definitely felt under the weather in the final set. So um, apart from Alcaraz playing really well, uh, Draper did his part, and it was unreal. And another um, so big up for Draper. And another notable uh, really good tournament was Grigor Dimitrov, uh, which was great to see that Dimitrov got to a semis of a five hundred on a really really strong field. So that was great to see Grigor uh, going fairly far and uh, yeah it's it will be interesting Rune is actually in um, in Akaraz's quarter so that will be uh, quite a uh, popcorn match if if that materializes and why wouldn't it although when I say this Vavrinka had a really really great tournament and he's gonna start against Rune in Paris so that's gonna be also an interesting one um, the Horkach Manorino will be tough and a Horkacharuna will be even stranger. So unbelievable first matches. Van de Sanchup is playing Dimitrov um, and Korda Deminor, Rindernak, uh, who had a great tournament. He went to the semis in Basel uh, and who beat my Chilich, <laughs> who, was, who was, I'm saying my, because obviously that was, that was the only uh, really bad prediction for me. Although, when you see your internet get, get to the semifinals or quarters, maybe it was. I don't think it was semis. It, it might have been quarters. Um, it, it has been a really good tournament. He's starting against Draper. So it, there's going to be unbelievable tennis matches. And I think this will be the last tournament of Gilles Simon. Um, ah, is this the last one? That's I, I think so, because obviously he's not going to be playing any more um, um, challengers. And where else would he be going out then? Because this this is his last season. He announced his last season is 2022. And where else would he go out than in Paris? No, so that's true. Yeah, he has, he, yeah he has a, a really tricky uh, Andy Murray <laughs> in the first round. So that will be oldies but goldies. There's going to be Schwartzman against Cressy, which is also a great one. Baez against Hachanov, Cilic Musetti. Uh, Molchan Gaske, so you know Evans Nakashima. I'm just going down their list, and and there's not one match which is a bit like because you know in 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 the Grand Slams you sometimes have a few first and second rounds when you're like okay so who are these two guys I've never never really heard yeah, of them yeah. so but here here you don't really get it and um, and now obviously there will be a few qualifiers who just go up like for example this French guy who had. I have to admit, I never heard of Arthur and Nils. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's going to be crazy. Um, what's your prediction? It's a tough one, this one. I, I still believe Djokovic will win. I don't know Nadal after being a little bit off the track now with his baby and so on. Uh, it, it's hard to, to say what he will do. Also indoors, obviously, Djokovic is the guy to beat indoors. Djokovic and Medvedev, I think, are very strong picks. Uh, it's hard to see the power players like Alcaraz or Aliasim, if he's playing or even Rune, hit through them because they are so good at, at this uh, faster courts, you know. So, uh, but yeah, it would be fun if, if one of the young guns uh, comes through. Uh, so that would that would something I look forward to. Uh, for you racket nerds, uh, you have a PT57A matchup with Murray and Simon. Two guys with great double-handed backhands and good court coverage, but maybe not going for the lines that much, to be uh, to be fair. 
Uh, we have an interesting matchup, short versus tall, or whatever you want to call it. Cressy versus Schwartzman. That is uh, quite a height difference. Uh, he has to stand on a chair to give him a hug afterwards. So that's going to be a, a fun matchup to watch. One super uh, good defender and one serving volley guy. Could be fun, actually. Um, yeah. But Simon is actually playing with 18-20, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's the difference. But it's the same, um, same old. Yeah, exactly. He plays with that. I think it's also <laughs> I know, a little bit no, I was. Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I knew uh, that, but, but I wasn't 100% sure. I just thought that because of Simon's push, he doesn't really hit it. He just pushes both sides. Uh, that he must be, he must be in an eighteen twenty. There's going to be an interesting first round Spanish affair as well. Correño Busta is playing Ramos Vinolas, and the winner will be uh, playing possibly Chapo because he's uh, playing Serundolo, who's just lost a bit of edge. Um, I think he he had a great season, Serundolo. And that will be an interesting one. I think Chapovalov is he is in rhythm, so I think he will just uh, crush Serundolo. And Nadal will have a really tricky first round against either Bautista Agu, who just played the semis in Basel um, and was beaten from 2-6 up or 6-2 up in the second set tiebreak against Rune. But he will face Tommy Paul. So that will be an interesting one. Yeah, Bautista Agu seems to be in good shape. And I think it can be difficult for Nadal. I mean, even Paul can be difficult for Nadal. First match, I mean, you indoors, not his fa- fan surface. You know, it's not an easy, easy situation. And Nadal is Nadal, so you can never count him out of anything. But it's a tough one. Uh, I saw some matches from this uh, tournament. Uh, Dan Evans versus Chapo, where Chapo played amazing. That's from, from Basel, I mean. And Evans was trying to come over his uh, backhand a bit more, like come over the ball. He was He's usually a guy who slices very very efficiently all the time kind of like uh, Feliciano Lopez but it did not really work for him on that day and he tried now to play a bit more uh, with more top spin take the ball uh, a little bit more on the rise uh, he did struggle a little bit in that match not sure if that was the reason but he it seems like he's trying to to get more a uh, little bit more aggressive in his game and i think that was one of the things we we mentioned before what Jubicic brought to Federer's game uh, when he took him on as a coach was that he said, hey, you have to you have to hit your backhand. You can't just slice it because it, you're giving the guys too much time and you're not attacking enough. And I think that is uh, that is true. I mean, now you need to be aggressive on both wings. You can't just push the ball back. It's, it's tough to play that way. And it's and it's quite interesting with Evans because um, he he had such a, an amazingly clean backhand. He just somehow doesn't really trust it, I don't think, because uh, his his um, his one-handed backhand is a thing of beauty. So whenever someone approaches on his backhand, he just unleashes it, and it it, it is going on some speed. It's um, yeah, I I think I think Evans should be um, yeah, it's, it's it's tough for him, isn't it? Because he's he's not the tallest guy. Um, he has to play cleverly, and and he has a massive forehand really plays the, the the game cleverly so it, it is it is going really well for him now he can be sort of be called an overachiever um because i think for his stature and and um you know what what he achieved and that he was a top i think top 20 might have been his highest ranking it's 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 pretty good so so what i what i think about him is that he can again 
be anyone if if his if his forehand, his serve, and his volleys are on song. Sometimes he he loses to guys who you never actually thought that he can lose to. I think I think it will be an interesting uh, Paris Masters. Possibly I will go Djokovic as well as as you are because uh, it's just such such a tough one to to see see him lose to anyone really um i mean when i say this so he will start against the either schwartzman or cressy uh then he will be playing sinner or hatchinov which is also quite tricky although sinner wasn't really playing that well this week he um i i wanted a bit more from him to be fair it, it was a bit of a bit of a strange one that he wasn't really getting on that well and then he might face either chilich or rude be- don't really have anyone else. I think Chilich will beat Musetti. I think Chilich, well, <laughs> we will see. But but I think Chilich will actually beat Musetti. And um, I don't think Tsitsipas will have much say in this uh, Paris Masters. And uh, yeah, it's definitely the uh, the top top half which is which is uh, which is stronger. Uh, Djokovic will play Nadal in the semis if they both uh, get there. Um, I think. Nadal comes back because he feels that he can win Turin. I think that's the only reason he he hasn't called it quits for this year. What do you think? I mean, we should leave room for uh, for upsets because it's Paris, and we talked about it in previous episodes. Is that this is a tournament where you see strange things happen, or or you know, underdogs uh, show that they have energy left, or just you know have this fantastic tournament and they go through. And we've seen that in the past uh, with some some upset winners, and it might happen here as well. Uh, although there are so many players that you wouldn't call an upset now. I mean, if we had Alcaraz, Nadal, Djokovic, Aliasim, they've all had like tremendous uh, runs uh, and, and seem to be in good form or, or easy to easy to pre- like choose as a prediction. I mean, Sitsipas would be a surprising to me if he won. For example, you mentioned that you don't think he will, and I don't think so either. I don't think like Chapo will win this event, although he's in good form. I, I don't see that happening. Uh, so yeah, that's why the Medvedev and, and Djokovic uh, seems the most logical to me. And it, it's it's a bit of a cop out to go for the the best kind of indoor chess players, uh, chess tennis players they are. But but it's it's hard to bet against them, uh, especially in in Paris. I would say. I'm I'm really curious of of your opinion on on the Nadal. But what I wanted to say is that this year is a bit different, though, because I don't really think so. All the big guns are fairly rested, so yeah, true. It, this Paris is is more like um, a, a stern test before their finals, their ATP ATP finals. So I think everyone will play their hearts out because they they don't really have much to prove. I mean, there's going to be the Davis Cup after after the ATP finals. But I don't think Djokovic... No, Djokovic won't be playing. I think he announced that he's not going to be playing. And Nadal won't be playing. Alcaraz will. But I don't think that they have a lot to keep in the tank. So this... I don't really see upsets. And that that will be my bold prediction that for Paris for the, for the last few years. But I don't really see many upsets in the draw this year, I think it will be the big ones, and 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 we will see uh, Felix, we will see Alcaraz, uh, we will see these these guys go fairly deep in the draw, and I think Djokovic will possibly, uh, yeah, Nadal is a question mark. So Nadal, I don't really know 
but but you know he he seems determined and that's when i will put the ball back on your court yana so do you think that he would have come back if he wouldn't actually 100% believe that he can he can put that app finals in his collection uh, yeah yeah you're right i think he believes he can win the app finals i think that is why he's there i don't think he believes he will win paris i think he's there to get match practice before the finals for him it's a it's a training tournament before the finals i mean that's the one major he has not won like major tournament and not major as in grand slam but uh, and he wants to win it of course he's rafa nadal and this year is uh it's a pretty decent chance even though he's i mean he's pretty fit like you said it seems like he's fine from injuries he's not overplayed uh, he had some rest now and i think he really has his sights uh, set and then you know rafa is super dangerous when he's uh, motivated Still, he has the surface going against him. And, you know, the young generation, he can be, you know, beaten by Alcaraz or even Aliasim. You know, these guys can take him out. So I, I do struggle to see him win this year. Uh, last year's Paris Masters final uh, was Djokovic-Medvedev. And that's, that are the, you know, the two players, I think, that love the, you know, indoor hard courts the most and, and very easy to pick in predictions. But it would be fun to see Aliasim or Alcaraz uh, win one of the events for sure. I think that would be cool to have a, a you know a young gun coming up and, and breaking through. Uh, but it's hard to just pick Rafa, although it would be kind of fitting that he won uh, his his kind of like remaining trophy. He would get the remaining trophy that's missing in his collection. But it is it's a bit of a long long shot, I think. Yeah, it is. But I think uh, that now his injuries are healed, both of them. Uh, which were almost career-ending injuries because his his foot injury was was almost he he almost said I'll call it quits after the the Garros. I think for him, yeah, it's it's interesting because I, I think there's there's quite a few really really um, for his game style annoying players on his draw because there's Shapovalov, there's uh, Tommy Paul who can like properly smack the ball. I don't think Bautistagu actually can beat Nadal because um, of their past and because usually what, what you've seen with Nadal it's 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 usually the overwhelming power which which gives re- problems to Nadal like that's how Rosol we beat him uh, that's how Soderling Soderling beat him so those guys were were pushing balls through Nadal and that's what he doesn't like because he he cannot get his his massive top spin back and all that so, so that's that's how I see it. You know, Fritz almost beat him in Wimbledon, and and that's that's the thing. Yeah, I did look uh, at the head to head, and and I thought that it, you know, because I've seen Bautista go, he can beat you know Djokovic on a good day, oh, yeah. uh, just outmaneuver him, or or just play the same game and then beat him with it, which is funny. But against Nadal, he has a pretty horrible uh, statistic, which is like he hasn't won a set, and he's lost pretty easy sets, most of them. Uh, they've played one, two, three. They played seven sets, and he got maximum four games in one set. However, they've all they're all been on clay, uh, so I think that makes a little bit of a difference. But still, it's it's like when you have that head to head, and you're playing your like local legend, uh, legend of all time in tennis. I, I think yeah, it's, it might be tough. But uh, Bautista is one of those guys. I think he sometimes surprises himself because he just finds an extra gear in his his game. Uh, doesn't look like the most dangerous or, or the most impressive game but it's just super efficient and, and quite clean right oh he's unbelievable if if you look at a few uh, spanish players like ferrer um him you know 
let's say from from the young guns like WWH Fukina. Um, he's not really tall. He has unbelievable movement and everything with with Fakina. I'm talking about, but Agu the same. Like he he's he's unreal what he can do, and that's just that's just great. Um, you know, for tennis as well that they are so different. So it's not like everyone is is that athletic or as as unbelievable in terms of power as like Shapovalov or or Tommy Paul. Uh, but they they do play this this chess. What you what you told me. I think if. Um, if Agu beats, uh, that would be the dream scenario for for Rafa to to get Agu in in the first round. It would be a long match. It would like in a way, you know, like the 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 rallies would be fairly long. Um, he would get a rhythm for the ball, for the conditions and everything. So I think that would be a pretty pretty nice first round for Rafa. Definitely better than Tommy Paul, who can just like literally he can he can hit a tennis ra- uh, tennis not a tennis racket. I'm pretty sure he can hit a tennis racket, but a tennis ball through a wall. So I think I think that would be fairly fairly good for Rafa. What I wanted to talk about the uh, Fort Worth uh, Texas uh, WTA finals is on, and there's a fairly interesting uh, WTA finals draw out in the Tracy Austin and the Nancy Ritchie group. So the uh, Tracy Austin group has uh, Shontek, uh, Coco Golf, uh, Caroline Garcia, and Kasatkina or Kasatkina. Yeah, Kasatkina. Uh, yeah. I think it's Kasatkina. Yes, yeah. sorry. And in the Nancy Ricci group, we've got Jabor, Pagula, uh, Sakari, and Sabalenka. What do you think? Yeah, I have them in front of me right now. I mean, Svontex, she seems to be back in, in winning ways. Like, she had a little bit of a dip, but overall, her season has been spectacular. It's hard to not pick her to win the Tracy Austin group or and to win the whole event. But then, you know, these events, sometimes you have some uh, some upset winners. I, I really like Coco Goff's development this year. I think she is one of the most improved players. Uh, so, yeah, but I, I still predict Svontex to win the event. Uh, I think she has that winner mentality. It's It's... Partly the strokes, but it's also the, all the mental work she's putting in. Like she's very, very strong in, in key moments and, and not like backing down. So I think she wins the group and the event. But the Nancy Ritchie group, I would pick maybe Sabalenka to come from uh, from like the lowest uh, seed in that group and, and, and win. But it's, yeah, Pegula is probably the one with the best form if you look at recent tournaments. So she can be strong as well. Who do you pick? Yeah, so I think uh, it will be Shontek and Goff who will go through because Goff will love these conditions. I do rate Garcia, but now, you know, the sort of the high she was on in terms of form. Yeah, so I think I think Coco Goff, and I think she. we're talking about a, um, a future world number one. She might still not be there at the moment, but I think she will get through. I think Kasakina will uh, will struggle because everyone else has just a little bit more than what she has in in all departments. And from the other one, I like her Sabalenka pick, not Jabor. Yeah, Sakari will 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 struggle, I think, as well here. And Pagula, I think Sabalenka has just a bit too much power uh, for anyone, really. It's it's like Kokogov and Sabalenka are, are um, a level above the rest in terms of like how hard they can hit the ball and how big their serves are and all that but we know that tennis is not about power solely I do feel intrigued to say someone else than Shiontek this time 
uh, although she has been playing really well. I don't really know how the courts play. I haven't listened to it, so I don't really know how quick the courts will be. I think they must be playing outside, don't they? Because they are in Texas, and in Texas in October, early November, the weather must be pretty good still. Yeah, it should be it should be uh, outside hard courts. It's quite an unusual place to to put a WTA finals, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, they're usually in uh, Shenzhen in, in China, right? But uh, because of all this this China ban, we we are now in Fort Worth. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit unusual to be fair. And I think maybe the American players can can use that it's uh, a little bit different conditions. Maybe they have played more tennis in Texas. It's not the most common tennis location maybe for for the world the players so um it's, it's quite an interesting always when you have like a new location i think it it puts a little bit more pressure on the players to come up with getting used to it and understanding the bounds and like anything for a pro player like new balls new surface different conditions it's gonna make it a bit more of a challenge and that they need definitely to adapt and the players that adapt the best they usually have the most success so uh, we will see how the courts play. I have no idea. And just another funny uh, remark about the Tracy Austin group. We are talking about four different racket manufacturers in that group. <laughs> and we are talking about three Wilsons in the Nancy Ritchie and one head. No, sorry, Yonex. Pagula is, is playing Yonex. So yeah, yeah it's because it's... Um, Shomtek is obviously Technifiber. Coco Golf is head, as we all know. Caroline Garcia plays with Yonex. And Kasatkina or Kasatkina is playing with uh, Artengo. And on that note, look at the Basel semifinals. We had three pure Aero VSs, <laughs> which was, I, I found it pretty funny. I talked about it last week. Out of the three winners, two were pure Aero VSs. And now we we had in the semis three pure arrow VSs, so it, it was it was quite a good week for for Babylon. But yeah, it's um, it's it's going to be an interesting one in um, in Fort Worth. I I will try to to watch some tennis, and obviously the the Paris Masters. We will go through that, and I think that that will be a, a cracking tennis uh, event. There's quite a lot to look forward to. Yeah, and I think that's uh, something we summarize in next week's edition. It's weird that they're not played at the same time. Maybe that would be cool at some point to have them at the same time in the same location. I don't know how. I think that would be a better celebration for tennis if they all played in this, the finals at least. Because there's quite a few players. Like you have only eight each and then some obviously reserves. And then you have the doubles teams, right? So yep. uh, why not put it in the same location? I guess it's a scheduling thing maybe or it's because of their different organizations. But it would be more of a tribute to tennis to have the finals uh, collectively. Uh, it would be more easy to follow. Uh, it would make more sense. That's that's me, but from a logical point of view. No, I I, I kind of like it. Um, I'll just go through quickly on uh, on the doubles uh, groups as well because I, I just found them as well, and I just thought that I will struggle with the pronunciation, so I'm just going to go through them all. So in the Rosie Cassells group, I I I have to admit I never heard of Rosie Cassells, but she must have been a great doubles player, I believe. It's uh, Krejcikova and Sinyakova as the first seeds. Uh, Goff and Pagula are there. So it's going to be quite funny that they're playing singles and doubles as well. I think it's it's a bit too much, but, you know, yeah, who am I to judge? Much. There's going to be Shu and Young uh, and Krapchik and Shores. And this has been Demi Shores' fourth consecutive, or third at least, uh, consecutive WDA finals doubles. Um, okay, Mr. Finals. President. 
So that's that's pretty impressive. And in the Pam Shriver group, there's going to be Dabrowski uh, with Olmos, Kudermatova with Mertens, uh, Kichinok with Ostapenko. Good to see Yelena at least in doubles. And uh, Danilina with Haddad Maya. I didn't actually know that Haddad Maya played good doubles, but apparently she has, because otherwise she wouldn't be the seventh seed. It's going to be an interesting one. I, I like your idea on that one, on, on how it would be to, to have a, like a, a big tennis celebration. Oh, and that will be the United Cup, which has been announced since I told you. So that yeah. will be happening. So uh, that will be a bit of a bit of a tennis celebration, I think, the United Cup, and that will be something to look forward to. Yeah, I just think it's good to do more uh, events where they they're both playing. I, th- I think it's more more tennis uh, the better, but obviously you need more courts and you know, it's not that easy. It's a logistics thing, but but definitely possible, I would say. And from this doubles uh, WTA doubles, not something I follow religiously. To be fair, uh, I do know that Krasikova Sniakova probably the strongest team there and that's the one i would uh, would go for there um but i've seen goff pagula play I, they saw i saw them in the slam they're, they're quite a good good couple actually they seem to be very good friends which always helps when you play doubles so they could be dangerous as well absolutely yeah i think i think it will be an interesting um finals because there's not a clear-cut winner um because sometimes you know when we're talking about the men's it hasn't happened in the last few years because uh, all these guys, Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, they were all going to uh, to the finals with with a bit bit of a pain. Uh, they they were getting older. They were playing all the tournaments. There wasn't a stop in their schedule, even when they were trying to 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 get some sort of tanking and all that. But still, it was kind of tough for them. So I think. This this will be their year, and I think Djokovic will actually win the Paris Masters, and he will win the ATP Finals as well. But it would be good to see a new a new winner. Maybe it will be Alcaraz. Maybe it will be uh, you know Felix even if he if he carries on in the same uh, vein as as what he was what he was doing. And and yeah, there's there's a lot to look forward to, and I think. Uh, this has been one of the strongest 500s what we had in Vienna and Basel. And now we'll have one of the strongest Paris Masters, because as we talked about, it's always a bit of a bit of an end of year Masters. Benito got to a final in Paris. Jack Sock might have been Benito, but now I'm not sure. But, you know, even Jack Sock winning a Masters was kind of kind of funny to see. So so this will definitely be a different year. And um, and yeah, uh, there's there's nothing else what we can say about like just just looking forward to to play and to watch some tennis. We will, for sure. Thanks a lot, Dennis, for today. If you have any comments, questions, uh, listeners, please put them on Tennis Nerd uh, under a different post or on Instagram, and we will deal with them in future episodes. So if you have any ideas of things we should discuss or talk about or any questions to us, what, uh, you know, breed uh, Dennis Katis or, or so something like that, we will answer them on the podcast. Thanks, Dennis. Have a nice one. Enjoy your paddle session. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm going to play some paddle for the first time. And I will talk about it in the next episode. Thank yes. you very much for, for everyone. Don't enjoy it too much. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>